0: Life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. Twenty Twenty with Neil Johnson on Vision.
1: Uh, once again, a regular on Twenty Twenty, Andrew McCall is with us from Family Voice Australia, and he's been doing a bit of research about what it means to be a conservative in our political views. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Good morning, Robbo. I am well, thank you. Great, good, good to have you with us, and uh, yeah, keen to hear what you've uh, discovered uh, in this research about. Uh, uh, what it means to be a conservative. What have you found?
0: Well, I've I've started a series, and uh, this is really part one, uh, Robbo, and I call it More Than Just Conservative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for Christians to understand that conservatism is good politically and in terms of government and those sorts of things, but we've got to be more than that. And uh, the reason I'm saying that is that the Bible takes us, I think, somewhat beyond just that, I've got a quote by one of my favourite authors, Dr. Gary North. He wrote a book about 30-something years ago called The Sinai Strategy. And he said in that that uh, the Israelites had experienced firsthand the institutional effects of a social order governed by a law order different from the Bibles. They had been enslaved. Mm. The God who had released them from bondage announced at Sinai his standards of righteousness. Not just private righteousness, but social and institutional righteousness. Thus, the God of liberation is simultaneously the lawgiver. Close association of biblical law and human freedom is grounded in the very character of God.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a very good quote.
0: Yeah, well, it gets us started on what we want to do if we're thinking about applying the gospel uh, and the Bible to government and what we the to trace their ideological history back to people like the Englishman Edmund Burke who pointed out in his era the dangers of the French Revolution. Well, he, was, <laughs> he proved to be absolutely correct. Yeah. That was good. But they could go a whole lot further. They could include Oliver Cromwell, who successfully defeated Charles I of England, Stephen Langton, the Archbishop who wrote the Magna Carta, uh, and many other people.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, I guess it's a big jump, isn't it, from from these people from the last few hundred years um, to the Exodus. I mean, that's thousands of years ago, so that's a, a bit of a jump, so... I guess you're saying that we can trace conservatism right back to Israel. Well, we can. We can because
0: we have to realize that we've got to say, well, what do we mean by conservatism? And we would say as Christians that because of the exodus, we see immediately there's this connection between biblical law and human freedom. And this was the very thing that God was after right from the get-go at this time, Exodus 1 and 2. I mean, these are remarkable passages of Scripture which actually define for us where we ought to be going today in our, our whole culture and our society and what we want to see happening with, with the government.
1: Mm, yeah, good point. I guess the one question I have in that is that, I mean, obviously there'd be a lot of uh, politicians who would uh, class themselves as conservative but not Christian, uh, would they have an issue coming to the same conclusion here? Would they say, oh, yeah, I'm happy to go back to a biblical roots, or would they sort of draw a line there?
0: Well, that that would depend on, on each individual, of course. I think what we've got to say is that if we start with Scripture and let, and let Scripture define for us what we think conservatism means, great, let's run with that. Um, but it... You know, there's a fair bit of pragmatism within conservatism when we're ready and when we think we can get it done and when we get around to it, we've got to think of the electorate, which is all true. But we have to start with some absolutes, and you and I would probably say biblical absolutes, Mm. which takes us back to documents like the Ten Commandments, which tells us, frankly, um, one of the things that are permitted in, in our society according to God and what is not permitted. And that they they just in those couple of pages of Exodus twenty. Oh boy, oh boy, that is straight on the money, straight down the line. We're told in no uncertain terms from the God of the Bible what he accepts and what he
1: rejects. Yeah, of course. And obviously we see that in our you know legal systems, don't we? The Judeo you know ethic is very much a part of you know what we see in the law courts around, you know, things like murder and you know theft and that sort of thing.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's all very true. And so we, we, we definitely trace our law back to Exodus. And it's here that we gain the proper understanding of the need to conserve and protect individuals and legitimate social institutions such as the family and the church against the ravages of a tyrannical and a humanistic state. And it's here that the true political conservative gets his authority and the history of government has always been about the struggle between liberty and bondage and that the Bible has commonly been near the forefront of this debate. And this explains why history's tyrants have tended to hate Mm. the God of the Bible. Uh, People can't truly know themselves or each other without the Bible's understanding, neither can they correctly understand anything of the human condition without the Bible, and unlike any other human document, it wasn't simply conceived by us, though God inspired a number of human writers to put pen to paper. It began with our Creator, who described us as reprobate sinners needing a saviour, his son.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's a good point. I guess you've got that uh, attention that I can see Uh, still in the sense of, you know, I mean, obviously people would say that we're in a post-Christian you know, nation here in Australia. So, you know, how as Christians can we, I guess, you know, ensure that this, because I agree with you, like there's a truth to what you're saying, but, you know, there's a lot of people uh, that would just say, oh, well, that's not relevant for today. How would we sort of actually, you know, bring that in? Well,
0: we would say that, Okay, we, it, it is certainly true, as, as you are I think, probably suggesting, that, that the influence of the gospel and the church has waned in the last three or four generations in this country. It's true. Mm. But it hasn't got to be that way. And I think a part of the reason why it has waned is that Christians, and I include in this Christian leaders, have not been confident, have not been forthright, have not been outgoing in saying, this is what we need. Mm. and we've we've got a few funny ideas floating around in church that says well i don't want to get involved in politics that's a that's a messy business and i don't want to get involved in controversy well actually controversy is necessary Mm. and and government is necessary it desperately requires the the confident and forthright declarations of christians because without those declarations the the truth of the gospel gets left aside. We try and get all correct and careful and polite. Well, meanwhile, back at the ranch, there are a whole lot of people in our country who aren't careful to be, uh, to be polite and, and very kind, and they're coming on hot and strong, mm. and they won't be stopped by anybody unless someone gets in their way and says, no, we do not want that in our country.
1: Yeah, good point. And I guess the reality is, as you say, when people do sort of shrink back, that creates that vacuum, which is then filled by you know, these other you know, people that are more than happy to jump into the, the fray. Well, that's
0: that's the thing. And, and they want to come on hot and strong. And if we don't stand in their way and say, I don't think so. I don't think we, we need abortion. I don't think we need uh, lots of things that we have in our culture today. Mm. We can turn that around if we're confident, if we're forthright, if we're not intimidated by people who don't mind some standover tactics. And we're finding that very frequently today. And and as a consequence, we get few political leaders who are willing to accept the Bible as their textbook for liberty and apply it to society. Well, if if Christian leaders won't, and if the church won't consistently apply it to society,
1: why should we expect politicians to? <laughs> yes, yeah, so true. And I guess the reality is I, I think of the words of Christ, he calls us to be salt and light in our uh, community. So as Christians, that really is our responsibility, isn't it, to be, uh, you know, I guess, agitating for truth in the middle of this?
0: Absolutely. And and this can change and and, and we want to work for, for change and, and others will say, well, how's it going to change, Andrew? Well, i would say by the impetus and pressure from faithful christians within the church who understand the claims of christ on every society and that any society that ignores christ's commands only prepares itself for his judgment and that means that we have to get educated scripturally to a whole new level. We've got to consider much more the implications of applying the whole of Scripture to the times we live in. Mm. And by this, I mean education and health and welfare, economics, law, defense and foreign affairs, and even things like taxation. For instance, we can see in first Samuel chapter eight, a very plain warning that people get higher taxes when they walk away from God. The Bible speaks clearly to these matters, beginning with the Ten Commandments and in many other places. So that means we've got to get busy to find out what it means to obey Jesus Christ in realms we've maybe ignored in the past. And this is all part of us preparing to give a good account to God. It's all part of serving the generation that we're a part of and providing society with the leaven of the kingdom of God and not leaving the gospel out of the midst of the Mm. the society that that we're a part of
1: yeah that's so true and i guess that comes back to what i was saying before about salt and light like that the leaven you know it just gets in there and it just infiltrates and it has a a a huge effect doesn't it
0: yeah well we and, and we can we have to ask ourselves who was it that brought about the exodus well when he called moses god said i have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Mm, that's a great promise. And isn't the Bible it? makes it clear that every person is a slave of someone. Yeah. Whose slave are we? Nations are the same. And like individuals, when nations run from God, they it, they invariably run into bondage. That's what communism brought to the Soviet Union. But the West has, has learned little. In fact, we're digging ourselves into another atheistic and a deep hole. But let's not dwell in this hole we've made a moment longer than we have to. Let's get back into the light of God through biblical obedience. That's what he's always wanted us to do
1: yeah that's a good reminder i think andrew because you know there's again you, you talk about you know if we shrink back or we become passive then that's you know that hole's only going to get deeper isn't it yeah we've got to we've got to be on the front foot to to ensure that it doesn't continue longer than it needs to absolutely and getting
0: on the front foot is a challenge for us i know because it means facing conflict stepping out of the crowd and say, I don't think that's a good idea, let's go this way because A, B and C. Mm -hmm. And the Bible is clear. There is a correlation between the God of the Bible and liberty for the individual, the family, the church and the nation. The Exodus shows this plainly. And this means we've got some tasks in our community to attend to and to lead the way. And it was a psalmist who wrote these words, which I say in conclusion: "I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings, and shall not be ashamed."
1: Mm. That's a, a great way to to wrap up, and I think that's a a good reminder, isn't it? Yeah, I think again of uh, the command in Joshua: "You yeah, be strong and courageous." You know, we don't need to shrink back. You know, we can stand. Uh, boldly and and be courageous in some of these. Uh, they are, you know, awkward uh, conversations. They can be difficult, uh, you know, challenges. But you know, knowing that we've got God behind us, we can step into it.
0: Absolutely, that's the challenge for us to to find out what God's word tells us to do and f- follow through with
1: it. Yeah, excellent. Well, Andrew, it's so good to uh, have you share about that today with us on 2020. Thank you very much for that. Of course, people can uh, connect with you and find out more about the work of Family Voice on your website, familyvoice.org.au. So uh, check that out, familyvoice.org.au. But to Andrew McColl, thanks so much for being a part of 2020 this morning. Thanks, Robert. Thanks
0: for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To
1: find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.